Back at the table, band and crew kept up their meandering conversations. Politics and technology. The state of the world today. Doug ate everything cold, filling his mouth to avoid talking or thinking. Sausage, whipped cream, crepes and Swedish pancakes, all in one bite, one trucking forkload. When they got back on the bus, Ron started it in. All right, my dude, let's hear it. She, uh, make a man of you or what? Everyone took their places. Card games and day drinking, scrolling on smartphones. The manager snored from his bunk behind his curtain. Or what? Dougie answered. And a couple people laughed. Mindy read him. A gentleman, she said. Dougie's a true gentleman and won't kiss and tell. Just then his phone vibrated and he knew, like all those other times when he thought about girls, wondered about boys or his own whereabouts on the spectrum of sexuality, his mother would call or text. A constant reminder to put her first in his world, keep her at the center, happy in the glow of her son's love yet in constant fear of losing it. Nauseous, he fought the compulsion to check, to see the alert to read the message the phone continuing to buzz in his pocket. Outside the window, endless fields and the occasional billboard. Holy shit, someone said loudly. Check this out. Oh my god, he heard Mindy say. Cards and bottles went down. People crowded around, then took out their own phones. This real? Ron's voice had never sounded like that before. Doug wanted to look. Doug didn't want to look. Reality itself seemed to shift in the bus. He took out his phone, saw a message from his mom that read, Please call me. Colson drove in a half-drunk haze until the haze became horror at what he'd done, at what he'd tried to do, at what he'd failed to, a child dead in part due to his poor work, his lack, his overwhelm. He squeezed his eyes shut and swerved, opened them. Georgia came to an end. South Carolina began, the high walls, the palmetto, and the crescent moon, like the entry point of some Islamic state. Colson couldn't remember leaving Florida. Then he found himself in North Carolina as the sun set, fatigued and off I-95 on some state road, the empty gas tank light, houses or shacks, his head against the steering wheel, eyes opened onto the scene, knuckles knocking against the driver's side window. Like an idiot, he waved, mouthed, I'm fine, but the man wouldn't go away. North Carolina man, hat and stubble, plaid and denim, Confederate belt buckle. Roll down the window. Reluctantly, Colson did. You lost, boy? Colson took a breath. Boy, he thought. Better not say the wrong thing. Safety doesn't exist when other people get to decide your identity. No. I'm okay, fine, I just needed to rest a minute. Got a long ride ahead of me. The last few words slipped out. Great. An ethnically ambiguous stranger giving too much information. A Yankee. You wanted the influence there, bud? Sir, I need to get going. Smells like you spilled a bottle of gym in there. Thanks for your concern. Gotta go. Looks like your tank's just about empty there. 
Right, I do need to get gas, and idling here is not really going to help. A woman called from inside the house, and the man pulled his body away from the car, turned and yelled, What? Colson put his car in drive and sped away, following the road north until he found a gas station. Nervous, in a rush, he filled his tank less than halfway, got back on the road, gradually finding his way back to 95. Just after entering Virginia, he found a sign for a strip club. The lights seemed to pull his car into the parking lot, a small, standalone place. As he parked, his head began to throb where the woman hit him hours and a lifetime ago. The throb carried him into the building where men sat right up against the stage. Entranced, angry, both, staring up at the fully nude, mostly young women, young enough to call girls, 18, 19, 20. One of the trucker types glanced in his direction, shrugged off his existence, fed a dollar between a set of breasts. Coulson walked up to the stage, got his wallet out. A slim woman with larger hips and cafe con leche skin came over to him, smiled. Coulson motioned with his hand for her to spin around, and she did, bending over six inches from his face. A chain like a gold necklace hung around her waist, the tail end of it dangling down the cleavage of her butt. A bright light filled him, a high. She turned back around, and he gave her a five without thinking about it. Didn't about face, and left the place in a glow touched by shame. As he drove further north, he remembered Eric saying something about how strip clubs cheapen men even more than they objectify women. Gradually, the glow faded, leaving only the guilt. Time bent and twisted, resurfacing memories and half-hallucinations as Delaware welcomed him. His mouth tasted of coffee and a meal he couldn't remember eating. He'd stopped at a bar somewhere and knocked back a couple plus an Irish coffee. No, he didn't eat anything. His stomach rumbled and burned, hunger plus a violent nausea. The sensation kept pulling his half-wake mind to long-dead times. The second foster family he lived with, the older girl, a Puerto Rican tomboy who liked to humiliate him sexually. The sound of her husky voice and horrible laugh, the weight and pressure of her, the reek of an unwashed body, candy and cigarette breath. A blur ran across the road and he swerved. Cars honked. He opened his eyes wide as possible. Blasted the radio. I'm going to meet the miracle worker of Middletown, he shouted, his voice sounding alien to him, as though he'd never before heard it at that volume. He tried it again to wake himself up, and it worked for a few minutes. Another blur ran across the road, this one larger. I need to sleep, he told himself, but he kept going. The people wailed and fell, fainted and swooned at the words coming from the miracle worker's mouth. No longer did he need to stand in close proximity to them. His power multiplied by the disease he'd contracted from the blood of the dying. The people felt the truth down through their bones and into eternity. With a wave of his hand, he'd cure a delusion. The man who believed in himself despite the horrors wrought by his existence, no longer able to withstand the weight of his self, fell flat on his back. The woman, convinced of a hidden potential no one else could see, collapsed, her consciousness drifting into a cartoon daydream of jumbo jets flying into mile-high fashion models. The young aspiring journalist found he could no longer form sentences in his own mind. 
The sight of all happening around him became a bluster of meaningless images as he began seeing right through the eyes and brain of a baby. In the chaos and confusion, nobody walked away from the crowd at the front of the hospital. As he made his way to the opposite side of the street, a few pedestrians and drivers noticed him, called out to him. He ran, collapsed, disappeared. Nobody woke in the forest, night, the black angel standing over him. Get a good rest? The black man asked, and the miracle worker sprang from the ground and flew at him. Instantly, a surge of pain exploded through his entire being, a storm of black static that vibrated every nerve and muscle fiber faster and harder than the speed of sound, light, and anything else in the universe. Pulling him back to the ground, a dog at the end of his rope tied to a stake, biting at the air in front of passing strangers. When it came to a stop, he felt nothing but a tree root digging in his rear. Take it all in, the mold, the fairly clean air, the decay, a shot of green, chlorophyll, algae, the warm breeze off the lake. Take it in, go ahead, enjoy this time, the body given you. Either way, it's almost over. And please, don't give me any more of that why me. Nobody sat up, leaned against the base of the uprooted tree, looked up saw the night sky, less hazy than the last time, stars and moon more visible. Those Jesus folks got it backwards. God, who only comes into existence through belief, eats the body of man. The miracle worker couldn't speak. He rolled his eyes and the man continued, As for you, there's no single design. The universe, hope and time, shift and spiral. They burn and melt and bend and we work with what we get. I'll tell you the truth, that's true in the moment. Sometimes you need a little lie to give you something to press up against. Especially someone like you, see? If you believed your mouth an ornament, you never would have bit that woman. You freed her from a mortal coil. Ate enough to kill her to infect yourself and activate the infected. Now a bunch of humans, wiser than ever before, can spread their wisdom through word and and action. They'll infect some and kill others. Like the universe itself, it's all kind of arbitrary. Mankind will make what they can of it, survive and elevate, carry on business as usual, creating new platforms, new roads on the information superhighway full of glitches previously unimaginable, or collapse entirely. Whatever you do from here on, whatever the cannibals say, could feed into any possible scenario, a classless society that values meaning over money, or the end of the human race. As nobody listened, the compulsion to heal filled him. He squeezed his eyes shut and in his mind saw a light in the shape of a boy, dancing. As he tried to focus in on the image, it slipped away, and with it, the compulsion cooled. He opened his eyes. The black man, the angel, smiled at him. People call it God, he went on because they can't handle the truly unknowable, want it personified, contained, so they can pretend to conceive the inconceivable, put a shape to the shapeless for fear of spiritual diffusion, annihilation. Imagine what they could do if they faced the inherent absurdity. Those last miracles you performed, you cleared an entire crowd of their delusions. They will feel pain, 
Now they will face their fears, limitations, blocks, wounds, pain, a blessing, can sharpen focus, let the inessential fall away. It's a sign of something in need of attention, something stuck. What's more compassionate than unlocking someone's capacity to choose? Though, while most people label compassion amounts to their own suffering at the sight of another's, and their actions, based on that, focus on easing their own distress. So, uh, what's so compassionate about cannibalism? Nobody asked. We don't know. Maybe cutting humanity in half? Maybe that's the best thing for it. The man turned away from the miracle worker. Hey, nobody asked. Curious. Why'd you come as a black man? Good question. Perhaps for this reason. The first and last human wore and will wear brown skin. Humanity creates and informs what it calls God. The black man turned back to him, closed his eyes, appeared as though listening to something, then opened them, spoke. Whatever action you take, though these people will come up with many interpretations, make sure, make sure that one of them equates to this. He held his hands, palms up. There exists no greater sin nor barrier to progress than worship. He let his hands fall by his sides. Rest up here in this little slice of nature. No one knows your whereabouts right now. He laughed. Some can claim you disappeared or died. Either way, your mission will soon become apparent.